This is the Doubles Only Tennis Podcast, where you learn the best tips and strategies in the world to help you become a smarter, more effective tennis player. You'll hear interviews with pro tour doubles players and coaches, including easy-to-use lessons to improve your game and win more matches. My name is Will Bocek, founder of the Tennis Tribe, doubles strategy coach, and host of the show. All right. Hey, everyone. Uh, welcome to the show. This is a little bit of an experimental episode. We've never done this before. Uh, we have Hanlon Walsh on today, who is a writer for the Tennis Tribe and our social media guru and uh, probably the best lobber we have on staff as well. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to go through the doubles draw uh, for the Australian Open, both the men's and women's. Um, and before we get started, uh, a little bit of a disclaimer. Like I said, this is an experiment and uh, no one is really doing anything like this uh, that we're aware of. Nobody's covering doubles on this level uh, and we're just starting to do it. Um, I think we probably know more than the average fan, but we're still learning a lot of these players and teams and we will uh, mispronounce names and we will uh, uh, probably, you know, if you fact check us, uh, we'll probably be off on some stuff, but we're going to do the best we can. Um, so Hanlon, uh, welcome. Uh, this will be a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Good to be uh, good to be on the pod. I've enjoyed all the guests that we've had so far. So I'm glad to uh, talk some doubles. Awesome. Yeah, this will be um, this will be really exciting. So I wanted to start with the the men's draw. Um, we've been doing our best to watch as much as we can. I, I don't know about you, but I've I've got one TV set up in my living room and then another in the bedroom. And I should probably have them both in the same room, but that seems like too much. Uh, but there's been so much doubles on this first week. Um, and actually, before we get into that, let me tell people how they can watch because we might lose people throughout the show. So uh, it, ESPN has had coverage all week and I've been using my Amazon Fire TV, uh, download the ESPN app and you can watch almost every doubles match. Um, some courts have better coverage than others because some of the outside courts have weird camera angles and stuff. So um, it's a little bit harder to watch, but um, if you download the ESPN app or go to ESPN.com slash watch, you can watch them all on ESPN3, and you might need ESPN Plus for some of them, which I think is like $5 a month, so uh, it's worth purchasing um, for a month to, to get some of this doubles action. Uh, so yeah, so I wanted to get that out of the way so that people know where to go to watch. Um, but yeah, let's start with the men's draw. Um, the top half, we had Cabal and Farah as the one seed. Uh, we had, scrolling through here, um, Chardy and Martin, the French duo is the 12 seed. Uh, Murray and Suarez, which is a, a um, one of the most intriguing teams that we talked about on your, uh, your doubles roundup that you wrote. Um, and yeah, the big, I think, takeaway from the top half so far was Cabal and Farah going down in that second round. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, you know, especially in the round table that we did, a lot of the people who weighed in, you know, between Craig O'Shaughnessy and Blair Henley and Randy Walker, um, Jennifer Paddock, um, you know, everyone was kind of 
looking at Cabal and Farah to be that next team, um, you know, in the post Brian brothers era to, you know, sort of carry the doubles, be the, the new face of doubles, I think is a big question that a lot of people are wondering, you know, who's going to fill that void. And so it was a little bit shocking to see them go out um, so early, but um, like you said, you know, Murray and Suarez are also in this top half of the draw. So, and they're, they're certainly a, a very accomplished doubles team, um, you know, together and both individually in their, their own right. So I think, you know, they'll, in terms of just name recognition and, you know, double star power, I think, um, you know, it's great to have Murray and Suarez sort of carrying this top half now that Cabal and Farrar are, are out of the tournament. Yeah. Yeah. So they, um, they won, I believe the 2016 Australian open and then haven't played together the last few years. Uh, and this is a, um, yeah, they were actually in that same quarter. It looks like I'm kind of scrolling through the draw now. Uh, mm-hmm. and at this point they have not dropped a set. So they won their first round seven, six, six, three, and then won one and two. Um, so they are looking strong so far. And then the, the bottom quarter of this top half, um, we had an upset in round one. Uh, we watched, uh, and, and I was able to watch this full match. Uh, Nick Monroe and Francis Tiafo took out uh, Grenoyers and Zabios, which was really surprising. Um, and it seemed like every single game, Grenoyers and Zabios would get up, you know, have two break points, be up 15-40, and then, you know, inevitably – Monroe and Tiafo would just fight back and, and win a deuce game um, and won that match 7-5, 6-4, and then went on to play the Canadians in the second round uh, and were down two match points and then lost last night in the third round, unfortunately. Um, but we did have Monroe on the podcast, so definitely check out that episode. Um, and then also the bottom quarter of the top half, we have – Piers and Venus, who are a good veteran duo. Uh, and then the defending champs are at the very bottom of this top half. So Rajiv Ram and Joe Salisbury. Um, so they're going to play each other tonight. So that should be an exciting matchup as well. Yeah, it seems like the draw, you know, besides um, Cabal and Farah going out, I'm just kind of scrolling through the draw. It seems like a lot of the seeds, um, you know, the other top seeds, both top and bottom, have, have really held together for the most part. Um, so, you know, the top half, you still have, like you said, the defending champs, Ram and Salisbury, and then also, um, you know, Murray and Suarez. So I would love to see a semifinal match between, between those two teams. But again, you know, Ram and Salisbury face a tough veteran duo next round in Piers and Venus. Um, and then, you know, it was, it was a little disappointing to see, um, Monroe and Tiafo fall out, you know, in the previous round after, you know, having really two tough matches, you know, upsetting the number three seed and then taking out the Canadian duo of Pospisil and Shapovalov. And that was a team in our, our doubles round table that everyone, you know, when the draw came out was really excited about, um, you know, it looks like they're, they're probably going to try and play at the Olympics later this year, if that happens, and, you know, their game styles really complement each other well. Pospisil is obviously a very accomplished doubles player. And, you know, Shapovalov is so much fun to watch on the singles court. So, um, you know, a little bit surprising to see them go out and then have, you know, Monroe and Tiafo not be able to back that one up. But, um, you know, still a great finish, I think, for um, Monroe and Tiafo. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They were um, – both of their matches I was able to watch, and they were super tight, super uh... – fun matches to watch um and have they played together much before uh so they played together 
uh, last week in the warm-up tournament. I don't know if they played together at all last year. Um, I know Monroe made a run at the French Open with uh, – it was another American um, – I can't remember uh, another young American uh, singles player, um, uh, Tommy Paul, I believe. That's who. It was. Oh yeah, sounds right. Um, so yeah, they made a run to like the quarters or semis, maybe of the French Open, but I, I don't think Monroe's played with Tiafo before. Um, but yeah, last night they came up against uh, a team that I haven't watched. Honestly, this is one of those disclaimer moments. Uh, uh, Danielle and Oswald. Um, I don't know a lot about them. Uh, I'll watch them in the next round for sure because they're going to play um, in the quarterfinals. They're going to play the winner of uh, Ram and Salisbury. But with so many doubles uh, matches going on the past few days, I've definitely not had a chance to watch every single team. Um, yeah, and that's the tricky thing with you know the, the doubles game is that there are so many you know double specialists or or teams that just you know just even like pretty diehard tennis fans like ourselves still, you know, don't know very well or haven't heard of. So that's just part of the, the bigger issue that, you know, we're trying to trying to solve is just getting some of these um, you know, these double specialists and these unknown names, you know, out into more mainstream tennis. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if, if you look at Nick Monroe, for example, like he, he was on the podcast and he happened to live in Austin, Texas, which is how I reached out to him. But, if it wasn't for that, I'd, I mean, there's a chance that I may have never even heard of him, you know, cause he's, he hovers mm -hmm. around that, um, you know, top 50, 60 in the world and doubles. Right. And, and there's just so many players, um, that really focus on doubles like that. But, um, anyways, so let's, uh, for the top half, I'd say my pick is Murray and Suarez. Uh, I watched them the other night and, I love Suarez. He is he is probably he might be my favorite doubles player to watch. Um, I think part of it is his mustache. He's just so smooth on the court, and then that mustache just seems to <laughs> bring it all together for me. Um, but he he doesn't overpower. He doesn't uh, you know hit a lot of huge winners or anything like that. But he plays so strategically sound and just always plays the higher high percentage shot and just doesn't make a lot of errors. Um, so, you know, for, for anybody out there who's been listening to the strategy episodes, watch Suarez and try to implement some of what he does. He, he does a great job. Um, so who's, who's your pick for the, uh, the top half here before we move on to the bottom? I think I've got to hop on the Murray and Suarez bandwagon. Um, they've looked, yeah. you know, really solid thus far. It, it looks like they've picked right back up where they left off, um, you know, a few years ago when they went, were winning titles together regularly. And I don't even have they dropped a set yet. So no, far, so they haven't. They've not dropped a set yet. Um, let's see. Yeah, I'd love to see a, a Murray Suarez, um, Ram, and Salisbury semis on the top half. Yeah, that would, yeah, that'd be a lot of fun to watch. And that would be yeah. a really good, like marquee kind of doubles match for just doubles itself, just to have you know defending champions versus um, you know this high profile team that's just gotten back together. I think, you know, in terms of name recognition, name recognition and just, you know, mainstream tennis fans, I, I think that would carry a lot of weight in the doubles draw if that matchup did happen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what, yeah, we'll see. I, I think Ram and Salisbury's matchup tonight is, is going to be their toughest, um, 
Although I, I say that I again I've never watched this Danielle and Oswald, so I <laughs> my yeah. predictions are that's the good thing about doubles though, you know, it's um yeah. pairing different pairings and you know matchups can make such a difference. So it's always right. a little bit of a gamble on the doubles draws at slams. Absolutely. Um yeah, so one thing I want to point out before we move on to this bottom half is is another thing about Murray and Suarez. So Murray's this this lefty. He he just makes returns. He doesn't hit the ball real big, and he'll get to the net. And he he covers a lot of court up there at the net. Um, it's tough to get the ball by him. But I've I've been watching um, as many matches as I can, and there's a lot of these righty lefty combos, and I haven't found one where the lefty does not play the deuce court. So they always are going forehands in the middle. Um, I think at the World Tour Finals last year, I did see one pair that where the lefty was playing the ad court and they had backhands in the middle. Um, so for people listening who are uh, play a lot of doubles and who are into the strategy, I almost always recommend forehands in the middle. Um, you really want to own that middle of the court. And the pros are kind of, uh, you know, I've always said that and the pros are kind of justifying that for me, um, which is nice. So... Moving on to the bottom half, we have uh, Melo and Tikal, Dodig and uh, Polasek. Um, I'm definitely pronouncing some of these wrong. Uh, we have we have another uh, Australian wildcard team making a run, um, Ebden and Smith. So if you remember last year, uh, I forgot their name, Seville and somebody else were wild cards and they made a run to the finals before losing to Ram and Salisbury. Um, and I remember uh, you and I were down there uh, in Australia and I remember the buzz around this oh, yeah. wild card doubles team um, that people were talking about. Uh, and they just kept, they were like, all right, their runs over at the quarterfinals and they won. And then the semifinals, no way they can beat this team. And they won. So there's another wild card team and they play Kuhlhoff and Kubot uh the four seeds um tonight i believe so that will be another uh good matchup interesting to see if they uh they can continue their run and then at the very bottom of the draw my pick to win it was mektic and pavic which is another lefty righty combo and they are already into the quarters against Herbert and mahu which is a really good veteran team so what do you make of this this bottom half here well, going back, you know, to the Australian wildcard team, it's um, it'll be interesting to see how they play. Um, and I'm not sure if their last match was with or without fans, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they do without the home crowds, um, yeah. you know, behind them. I think that was probably a big reason for the success of the wildcard team we saw do so well last year. And just, you know, generally Aussies will go on runs here with the, you know, the home crowd behind them. So you like, and, you know, looking back at the previous round, um, Kyrgios and Kakanakis lost three and four um, to the number four seed. So it'll be, you know, Kyrgios is a perfect example of someone who, you know, self-admittedly he, you know, feeds off the crowds and, you know, is not going to be one who's super motivated to play um, in an empty stadium. So I think, you know, that'll be one thing to watch for this, Aussie wildcard team um, to see how they do in an empty stadium. And maybe it takes a little bit of the pressure off. I think you can argue both sides of that too, depending on who the player of the team is and how they handle the home crowd pressure. But yeah, I mean, Herbert, Herbert and Mahu are um, a great, a very established team. 
Um, and I think another thing to look at is, you know, a lot of countrymen playing together um, this year during, you know, what could could or should be an Olympic year in Tokyo later this year. You'll see a lot of other teams, you know, get back together who haven't been playing together as frequently so they can, you know, try and make an Olympic run or, you know, just other established teams who are already countrymen, um, you know, playing together and, you know, trying to set themselves up for success for, you know, a potential Olympic medal. So that's another thing, you know, I see throughout the draws, more countrymen playing together. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it does seem like there's more of the same flag uh, on the same line of the draw. Um, and then what, one thing I wanted to point out, I was scrolling back to the second round because I'm going – they, they really need a better way to view the draw as a whole, like they do for the, the NCAA tournament um, for basketball. But uh, yeah, so this, this wildcard team from Australia, they beat the team that made the run last year in the second round. So it was Purcell oh, wow. and Seville. So they beat them in the second round and now they move on to the third round. So um, kind of uh, crazy there. It comes full circle um, for the Australian wildcards. Uh, so when we're looking at this bottom half, um, a few takeaways so far. So one, um, one match I got a chance to watch was the Skubsky brothers, who um, I first started watching last year at World Team Tennis, and they're um, they're both a lot of fun. They also went to I think they both played at LSU, which, um, as mm-hmm. you know, I grew up a, a big LSU fan, so that was exciting. My uncle played there actually um and they lost in the second round to uh, john millman and i think his first name is tiago montero from brazil and and one thing i was watching is is the skupski brothers kept rallying from the baseline cross court with these two singles players which um they won the first set but i was sitting there watching and i was like this this is not gonna work like they've got to get to the net because they're playing against two top 50 top 100 singles players and they're not top 50 top 100 singles players and sure enough they they go on to lose seven six six four in the final two sets um so that's something i want people you know i'm trying to dip in a little strategy here uh into some of uh, this conversation but that's something i want people to recognize you know when you're on the doubles court if you're if you're matched up against someone who is a better singles player than you don't get in cross court rallies with them um get to the net change something up for sure uh, and then looking further down the draw, we've got, um, like I said, Mektic and Pavic onto the quarter, yeah, to the quarterfinals against Herbert and Mahu. Um, so who's your pick for this bottom half? There's we've got the seven seed, the four seed, the eight seed, the two seed. Um, so it seems like a few less upsets here, um, in the bottom half. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, it seems pretty stacked with a lot of, you know, veteran teams and other new parents. I think Mello and uh, Takao are a new, a new team. Um, so they'll be interesting to watch um, against the nine seeds. Um, but I, I like um, Herbert and Mahout. I think they've, you know, they've obviously won slams together in the past and they, you know, have such great chemistry and um, their games complement each other really well. So I, you know, I'd love to see them in a final against, um, either Murray and Suarez or Ram and Salisbury. But to be honest, I'm, I'm a less familiar with some of these other seeded teams on the bottom half. So um, you may have a, a different um, idea or, or prediction than I. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think Herbert and Mahu are definitely one of the 
top teams left in the draw. I, I just think that they're coming up against Mekdic and Pavic, who are, I think, the, I felt the best team in the draw um, from the get-go. Uh, I watched, um, they were playing with different partners, but I watched both of them in the, the World Tour Finals uh, back in November, and I think both of their game styles are just really um, as good as it gets for pro doubles. Uh, Mekdic, I, I think he's the lefty. I always get them uh, mixed up, but one of them's a lefty, uh, plays the deuce court. Um, he's a little bit taller between the two, um, and he just covers a lot of net. Um, and then uh, Pavic does a really great job uh, setting him up from the baseline. Also likes to get to the net, though. Um, they just play really good doubles, and I just don't see them making enough mistakes. They, they'd have to have a bad day, I think, for somebody to beat them. Um, so they are uh, they are my pick, but this bottom half is definitely not quite as open, I think, um, as the top half. Um, looking at the top half, I really think there's only two, maybe three teams that um, you could make an argument for. Uh, but like you said, we're still learning a lot of these teams, so uh, we could come out of this dead wrong. I feel like the yeah the seeding no, no, no. has as much of an influence on us almost as it does on anybody else. So, um, yeah, really excited to be able to see all the teams kind of going forward uh, because those first few rounds is just so tough. There's like four or five doubles matches at once that I want to watch, um, and you just can't watch them all. So. Yeah, and how cool would it be to see it um, going back to the, you know, that we're in, a, in, a, in an Olympic year to see Cabal and Farah in the gold medal match against um, the two seeds. Now, Mekdic and Pavic, yeah. Yeah, against Croatian Mek team. Croatia versus um, Colombia. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be really exciting. Yeah. I mean, there's, like you said, I, I think we are starting to see more of the same country play together. Um, which, I, yeah, I mean, I would, I don't know if there's a way for them to to do that more often. Um, I know they do it in the ATP Cup and then Davis Cup and things like that. But um, yeah, that does make it cool and it makes it easier. You know, we talked to um, uh, when I talked to Eric Buterak, uh, who I had on the show. He said that Cabal and Farah are his pick, and even in your roundtable, he he said that he could see them kind of lifting up doubles in a way that the Bryan brothers did because they're from the same country and have that same energy. And when two people from the same country are playing together, it absolutely has an effect on the crowd. Uh, there's just no uh, doubt. 100. Especially with a country like Colombia. Colombia is just – the fans uh, were crazy in New York a couple years ago when, uh, when they made their run uh, to the championship. Yeah, definitely makes a huge difference to have that, um, you know, same nationality just brings together the common fan base. So excited to see, um, you know, what these teams can do the rest of the tournament. So let's move on to women's doubles. So we've had the one seed lost. We're going to look at the top half first. So that was Shea and Stritzova. Um, Shea is still in the the singles draw, fortunately. So we get to watch her. Um, I am a huge fan of uh, Shea Suwei. Um, Hard not to be. So they they lost in the second round. I watched that match against Jurak and Stojanovic. Um, and I really felt like 
strits of a, I love the way she moves at the net, but at times she would just kind of jab at these balls. She'd move, it would be a little out of reach and she'd just go for it anyways and play them out of the point or poach a little early and get beat up the line. And she did force a lot of errors with that, but um, it seemed like she was just a little uh, off her game and she was getting really frustrated. So they lost seven, five in the third um, in the second round there. So that was a big upset from the top half. Uh, scrolling down, we've got the three seeds who, um, this is probably the most embarrassing of all of the uh, the teams that I haven't watched, but I, I've not watched this uh, this Czech team. We um, saw um, we saw Siniakova play singles last year against Petra Kvitova in the oh, first. Did yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I have watched half of. I've watched her play singles, just not doubles. But um, she, yeah, and Krechikova, I think, is how you pronounce her partner's last name. Okay. Uh, and they, you know, to my knowledge, have been a pretty formidable team. Um, you know, within the past few years, I think that the Czechs have had a lot of really good doubles teams um, over the last, you know, decade, really um, on and off and or doubles players. Um, so, yeah, they, they've been, I, I think, a constant at the uh, the top of the WTA doubles game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see them in all the draws. And, um, you know, honestly, if I could have watched doubles in these warm up tournaments, I, I might have seen them. Uh, but Tennis Channel tweeted at me and said that they didn't have the rights and no one in the u.s did which um if you're listening tennis channel uh contact me and i would love to help you change that um but uh yeah i've not watched them play so i'm, I'm excited to see uh see them play um it looks like they have not dropped a set yet and they'll play uh para and uh vander who i don't know uh or I don't think I know, but um, they played them tonight um, on the top half. And then let's scroll through here. Quarters, quarters. Okay, and then Layla Fernandez and Heather Watson are still in. Um, Layla Fernandez is a really young, I think she's like 15 or 16 uh, Canadian. Um, she's and they're playing right? another unseated team. What was that? I think she's a little bit older than that. I think I want to say she's closer to like 20, but I could be dead wrong. Maybe I was thinking of Coco Golf then. <laughs> um, so they play another Canadian, uh, uh, Fitchman and Olmos from Mexico. Uh, so as far as this top half goes, I, I was able to watch Shea and Stritzova. I haven't watched any of these other matches. Um, yeah, it seems fairly the top half seems a lot more open than the bottom half, just glancing at the draws. A lot of you know, a lot more of the seeds have fallen on the top um than than the bottom thus far mm-hmm. from what it looks like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um so if if I had to pick a team, I mean I guess I go with this Czech team that I've never watched. Um when I watched Jurak and, and uh Stojanovic, they looked really good. Um against Shea and Stritzova, but I, I did feel like that was more about Stritzova not playing her best than them being a team that can can win the Australian Open. So uh, the, this Czech team has not dropped a set yet. So I, I think uh, they're my pick um, as a complete uh, novice or, or outsider um, as far as watching them. 
Yeah, I think well, I think that's a good pick, knowing that they're the top seed and you know the most or the top seed in this half and the most established of the doubles teams, at least to my understanding. Um, you know, from a a singles tennis you know WTA fan perspective, I think um, Layla Fernandez and Heather Watson would be more of the the names that you would probably recognize in the top half and maybe more of the sentimental favorites. Um, you know, Layla Fernandez is a highly touted young Canadian, like we'll just mention. And I did just double check. Um, she's actually 18. So we were both wrong. She's right in the middle of our guesses, but she's, you know, well on her way to a successful singles career. Um, Heather Watson has been one of the you know best um, players from the UK over the last five or so years along with, um, you know, Laura Robson and Laura Robson and Joe Conta. She's, uh, she's always kind of been in the conversation with the, the top UK players. So I think, you know, it'd be great to see them make a run here. Um, but again, yeah, I think the you can't bet against the checks right now on this top half of the draw. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I believe Layla Fernandez is a lefty too. So there's another lefty righty combo. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, she is. That's, that's a great point. You see, you see a lot of these lefty-righty combos in the, the doubles draws. Um, so let's move on to the bottom half. Uh, so I know a little bit more about this half. Um, we have Coco and Katie McNally. Uh, they took out the sixth seed, Gabby Dabrowski and Bethany Maddox-Sands, who a lot of people were excited to see play. Um, and that was just a... <laughs> a complete uh beatdown one-sided yeah uh for lack of a better word a complete beatdown um it was 6162 i watched that whole match which only took me about uh, 35 minutes to watch um and yeah coco was by far the best player on the court uh and especially early on uh dabrowski and maddox sands um, just could not handle Coco's ground strokes. Uh, they would both get to the net. Dabrowski likes to you know, hit the ball deep, whether it's a lob or a, a ground stroke, and then just rush the net. Um, and Coco was ripping forehands, backhands, um, dipping them at their feet, and and the volleys were just spraying everywhere. Um, so uh, that was definitely a surprise for it to be that one-sided, um, but a really good win for the young Americans. Yeah, they're just a lot of fun to watch. And I was, you know, I didn't get to watch that match specifically, but I know that we were, um, you know, everyone was kind of eyeing that second round matchup. Because like you said, Gabby Dabrowski, um, who's also a former guest of the podcast, um, and Bethany Maddox-Sands, um, both of them, you know, are, are such accomplished doubles players. And then Makoko is this, you know, fun, young and up and coming team who, you know, a lot of people are, are already sort of, um, you know, anointing as the, you know, the next Brian brothers of the WTA, you know, if they can keep, I think that was something that I and a few others mentioned in our doubles round table, you know, if they can keep playing together, um, you know, they would be in, you know, are already such a fun, you know, WTA um, sort of marquee doubles team to watch. So it'll be exciting to see, you know, how their, their doubles career um, progresses, you know, they're both still so young and a lot of people have, have touted Katie McNally as a, a future WTA number one doubles player. So um, I think with her net game and Coco's, you know, heavy baseline game and big serve, and also Coco's got a strong net game from what it looks like um, thus far, I'd, you know, it'd be really fun to see them make a run here. Yeah, it would. And I, um, I just hope I would love to see them stay together and, and 
keep this going. Obviously, Coco's uh, super young. I mean, Katie's young as well. Um, and as Coco gets better at singles, I just I worry that she's just going to focus on that more and um, not enter the doubles draws. But it looks like she's having so much fun out there playing these doubles matches that, that who knows, maybe she'll keep it going and, and play both singles and doubles uh, going forward. Um, and you're right, for – for any uh, doubles fans out there who want to um, take away some strategies from these pro players, Katie McNally is someone to watch. Uh, she is a really smart, uh, really good doubles player. Um, the way she positions herself on the court, moves around the court, where she hits the ball. Um, she's, yeah, she's a great, great doubles player and uh, her potential is, is through the roof. And then Coco is just uh, at least in that match, she was just more athletic and just better than everyone. Um, she, uh, Dabrowski and Maddox Sands were, were smashing balls down on her feet when she was at the net and she was playing just unbelievable defense, um, just some reaction volleys and uh, things like that. So um, we'll see how they do. They play uh, against the nine seeds next in the, um, I believe this is the round of 16 I'm looking at. Uh, yeah. Um, which is a, a Chilean Guarachi and then an American whose name I don't know how to pronounce, I don't think. Uh, Krauchik, maybe? Um, Your guess is uh, as good as mine on that one. Yeah, so, um, uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to try to watch some of that. There's a lot of doubles on tonight, um, so I don't, I don't know. Uh, there's definitely going to be some matches that I'll miss. Um, and then scrolling down the draw, we have uh, – Ostapinko, um, still in with uh, Kichinok. <laughs> I don't know her name either. Um, they, uh, they play heard. against – what's that? I said I can't say I've ever heard of her, but it is exciting to see Ostapinko in the doubles yeah. draw. I think we're losing listeners as we speak. Um, <laughs> uh, and they play against Melikar and Schurz tonight, um, who we do know. Uh, I've had Melikar on the podcast twice. And they have looked good so far. Um, they have not dropped a set. Uh, they actually got down an early break against Lapko and Vondrasova uh, in their second round match um, and then just rolled to a 6-4 um, victory in the second set. So, uh, yeah, they've looked really good so far. Um, and they'll be playing Ostapenko in the next round. And then we have uh, the seven seed and 12 seed or no, it looks like the the seven seed already won. So that was last night. So that's the the Japanese team, um, Ayama and Shibahara, who I've also not watched. Uh, they beat Haley Carter and Luisa Stefani last night, who um, have been playing together. Uh, I know for at least the last year since I've started watching more doubles. Um, and they've been a really good team. So the, this uh, this Japanese team, the seven seeds, beat them two and four, which means um, they've got to be a, a scary team that I've not watched yet. So I'll probably watch their quarterfinal matchup against Mertens and Sabalinka, who won in a third set last night after Sabalinka lost um, that tight one in singles against Serena. Um, they took out the U.S. Open champs, uh, Siegman and Zvonareva in three sets last night. It's great to see, um, you know, Sabalenka and Mertens, two, 
you know, top 20 singles players um, still, you know, be such a force in doubles and, and prioritize doubles, even though both of them, you know, as of yesterday, are, we're still in the tournament. And, Mer, you know, Mertens has a big match against Carolina Mukova um, tonight, I believe, in, yeah, in the round of 16. So I think that's something that we see a lot more in the women's game is, and granted, this is likely because of the, you know, they put, they play two out of three. So their, their format and schedule allows them to, you know, prioritize doubles more than the men. And that, you know, is one thing that's brought up in our, brought up in our round table that, you know, in terms of changes that we could see in doubles moving forward, a lot of people say, you know, we're saying we want to see more top players play and, you know, a potential solution to that could be, adjusting the the three out of five format to you know best two out of three to give more top players like Rafa and Roger and Novak um you know the chance to play in doubles if they wanted to so it, it is great to see you know top players like Sabalenka, Mertens, um you know Ostapenko, Coco Goff, a lot of you know really well-known and um accomplished singles players um you know still you know, in the doubles draw yeah yeah, that's a really good point. Um, man, that's a tough one because I love watching the five set singles matches too. So, uh, yeah, I do too. I think it, when you're in person, you know, sometimes when you're watching on TV, it may be less exciting. But like, you know, having attended the Australian Open last year, um, you know, I, I couldn't imagine what some of those epic matches like that we saw between you know Federer and Tennis Sandrin is one that comes to mind. Just you know. Right those kind of matches are best two out of three. Um, you know, it really just, you know, there's s- such a big difference in watching a three out of five, um, you know, when you're in person and, you know, paying for a ticket. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a, that's a tough, um, a tough call. I don't think it's something they're going to change anytime soon anyways. So, um, so yeah, so for this top half, uh, man, there's, there's a lot of, good teams in here um bottom half you mean yeah bottom half i'm sorry um and i think hmm, without knowing this japanese seven seed um you've got to like sablanka and mertens i think to get to the the finals early at least the semis to me and again I don't know this Japanese team really well but I think especially without Shea and Stritzova in the draw um, I would think Sabalenka and Mertens are the are the clear favorites and not not just because they're the number two seeds but they're you know out of the out of every team in the draw that they're have certainly are the most established and accomplished yeah yeah they're good um I think I think it's got to be them or Melikar Schurz um Melikar has, and, and this is probably personal bias because I've had her on the podcast twice, but I, I know what she's, uh, how she's been practicing and, and her res- I've followed her results a little bit more closely the last uh, six to 12 months. And I've seen improvement in her game. Um, she has gone, I think when we first had her on the podcast back in uh, uh, June, when was that June or July last year we had recorded it. Um, she was 19 in the world. Now she's up to seven. She made the uh, finals of the U S open, the finals of Cincinnati semis of the French open. I think she has really raised her level um, and she's ready for a breakthrough um, to win a grand slam and Schurz, who she's um, recently just started partnering up with 
has a really good complimentary game. Um, she uh, is pretty athletic, able to move around the court well, um, and set up Melikar at the net uh, really well as well. So um, I'm interested to see if they both make it to the semis, um, see that matchup. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, thinking back about the Olympics later this year, if it does happen, you, you've got to like um, Makoko's chances to be a potential U.S. Olympic doubles team if they keep keep this up. And then also it's interesting to think about, you know, players like Nicole Melikar and Rajiv Ram, who I believe are the top um, doubles players for the U.S. and, you know, for the men's and women's, and they play with partners of a different different nationality. So interesting to think, you know, how they, where they will fit into the doubles equation for the Olympics, um, you know, with, you know, teams like Coco and um, Katie McNally, who, you know, already play together and, you know, thinking through who would, could Rajiv Ram play with in the Olympics too. So I think um, just another interesting thing to think about as we, you know, as the year progresses towards the Olympics. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully we're able to have the Olympics. Um, yeah. Yeah. Melikar and Rajiv Ram would be a tough team to break. Um, that is two big servers. Uh, okay. So any um, anything else uh, you wanted to cover here? This was a lot of fun. Um, and my promise to anybody listening is that uh, we're going to start getting these names uh, more accurate as uh, time goes on. So um, hopefully we can do this later this year for Wimbledon and, and some of the other big tournaments. Um, and I'm going to make it a priority to watch uh, more of these teams that I am embarrassed to say I haven't watched, but we had to start somewhere. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and I think anyone who's covering tennis, you know, there's probably very, very few names, even, you know, some of the top um, media outlets or tennis journalists in the game probably would not be able to tell you everyone's name and like know everything about every doubles player or team in the draw. So it's, again, it's, it's a learning curve and it's just part of a, a bigger push to, you know, hype up doubles more and you know, get people talking about it and covering it more. So we'll try, you know, it, it's been a lot of fun, but um, you know, we'll, we'll try and, you know, just keep, uh, keep improving and, you know, familiarizing ourselves with the, some of these teams in the draw. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for uh, making me feel a little bit better about myself. <laughs> Anytime. Uh, some of the some of the biggest tennis media outlets don't also don't know um, these names, so I shouldn't feel bad. That's what it sounded like you told me. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think there's few people who cover our sport who go through the entire doubles draw and tell you something about every player or team in there. So. Yeah. So within the next year, we're going to know all of these players and uh, we will be the number one resource for anybody out there who wants to know about the pro doubles teams. Um, yes. That's our homework. That's, that's the, the goal. goal. So, um, so thanks everybody for listening again, watch these matches on uh, ESPN three, the ESPN app. Um, if you are signed up to the newsletter and you have trouble with it, I will personally help you out. Shoot me an email and I will send you instructions um, on how to do this uh, because I want more people watching doubles. I want to see, um, I want the, the TV broadcasters to see more viewers um, in these doubles matches. Uh, so thanks everyone for listening. Hanlon, thanks for joining us. Any uh, final words? 
No, I'm just, uh, yeah, glad to be on here and excited for, um, you know, a great second week of doubles um, down under. So, and if y'all haven't checked out our, um, our doubles round table, um, visit the tennis tribe, um, dot com slash tribe talk. I think is that the, yeah, the if way? you go to the tennis tribe.com, uh, they can click on tribe talk in the, the menu. Um, I think it's, it's just slash talk is the URL, but, um, they, yeah, they can find it there. Uh, and we'll link to it, um, below the podcast as well. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, even though some of our predictions haven't come to fruition, there's also some good, um, good storylines just about doubles throughout the year in a post Brian brothers era. So beyond the Australian open, so be sure to check that out too. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really, really great article for, from some people who know a lot more about pro tennis than, uh, than we do. <laughs> so, um, Awesome. All right. Thanks everybody for listening and we will, uh, we'll catch you next time. If you're a doubles player, you'll love our weekly doubles newsletter. Every Thursday, we send you doubles tips and strategies to help you improve your game and become a smarter player. When you sign up, you'll get a free 10 page guide on how to play with more confidence and dominate at the net in doubles. You can go to the tennis to sign up now.